0: The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast.
1: Listen, do, repeat for life. Hello, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Remarkable People Podcast. The Adriana Gavazzoni story. This week, you're going to see how a young girl with ADHD and hyperactivity figured out on her own and teaches techniques to us how she learned to focus her brain, study, and not only achieve finishing high school, finishing college, but becoming an attorney, a professor, and a published novelist. All this and more in this week's episode of the podcast. So get your pen and paper ready, enjoy the episode, and like our slogan says, don't just listen to this great content, but do it, repeat it each day for life, that way you can have a great life in this world and an attorney to come. I'm David Pasqualone, and enjoy this remarkable episode. Hey Adriana, how are you today?
0: Hi, David.
1: And how about you? I'm doing remarkable. I'm doing remarkable. I was just telling our audience a little bit about you. And they're as excited as I am to hear your story. So if you don't mind, at this time, I'm going to give you the mic. Let's go through your story. We'll start from your birth, work through your childhood, your teen years, your adult years. And then we'll bring you, the audience, to where you are today. We'll go through the highs, the lows, and everything in between in your life. And then practical steps of not only how you overcame and achieve certain things, but we'll do it in, a, in like one, two, three bullet notes steps so our audience can too. Sound good?
0: Sound good. It's going to be a roller coaster.
1: Hey, that's what we like. We're all, <laughs> we all have ups and downs. The journey's messy, but the destination is what matters, right? So yes. how did your life start? Were you born in Mexico, Brazil, Indiana, Utah? Where were you born?
0: I was born in Brazil, born and raised in Brazil by an Italian family. So it's a bunch of noisy people that love each other and fight a lot together and laugh a lot together. Always around the table.
1: Yes. I was just up in Boston with my family this past week. And I met my three sisters and brother-in-laws and nieces and nephews for the first time. So we have an Italian irish like in the we got one brother-in-law is greek one brother-in-law is jewish one brother-in-law is italian also so there was noise coming from everywhere five different conversations at once so if people around the world or within america don't understand what adriana is saying being brazilian and italian that's a lot of passion right
0: that's a lot of passion a lot of emotions a lot of wine also <laughs> we yeah. can gather without a good wine
1: so what was your childhood like were you the only child did you have multiple children in your family how did that work
0: no i have two more siblings a younger brother and a youngest much younger sister and we grew together, but we have tons of cousins around us. Both my parents came from families where they have nine brothers each. so you can imagine the size of the family.
1: What was it like growing up? Did you grow up traditionally were you got was your family more on the liberal side? What was your your background?
0: I, I think we are more in the liberal side because. My parents always tried to be friends with us. In that time, I'm talking, I was born in 1968. So I'm talking about a time where parents should be respected. You should call them sir and madam. And my parents were not like this. They always tried to be our friends. So I think it was more the liberal side.
1: And then growing up? Did you have like what you'd consider a normal childhood? Was there anything that you had to face back then that you'd want to discuss now? Or do you want to move into your adolescence and maybe college years?
0: I think since I was a kid, even with a great family, I felt different. I didn't know why I felt different And, but I I felt there was something in me that wasn't just like the other kids. I couldn't concentrate. When I could concentrate, it was just in things that I really loved. So, for example, in school, mathematics was a problem for me because I hated that. And history, Portuguese, English, I loved that. And I didn't know what happened. Uh, Years later, I was diagnosed with attention deficit with hyperactivity. So I was really a a different kid. And when you are different, it's tough because you you don't feel you belong. Even if you have loving parents, friends, you always feel different. It's something hard. Nowadays, I think it's easy because kids uh, receive a diagnosis early and they can learn with the help of shrinks, sometimes uh, drugs to overcome that. I had to create mechanisms to overcome that uh, without anything like that. I just discovered I, I had why I was different I was 38 years old. So I really had to fight to have good grades and, and to keep our, our regular childhood. Or I was going to be inside the room reading all the time as reading was a escape. Whenever I was reading a book, I felt like I could serene my mind because I always had this agitated mind, my thoughts always jumping like frogs inside my head. And it's hard for a kid that. I had to create ways to concentrate, much harder than than for any other kid. I had to study more at home because I needed to get good grades without the ability of concentrating teachers teachers and i was sleeping daydreaming drawing i wasn't especially of drawings that i draw a lot during the classes because i just couldn't focus and things they were saying to me it was not interesting to me i couldn't concentrate
1: now i know a little bit about your present and the things you've accomplished in life but we, before we go on we have listeners over 90 countries around the world and some have great support systems and some have no support systems so in practical steps you said you taught yourself techniques and mechanisms to overcome the adhd and hyperactivity so you could focus on your studies and get things done what are some of the things you did adriana that was successful to help you focus
0: As a kid, I I understood that I couldn't learn if I had people around me. I I could learn only if if I was alone. So I discovered it was much easier to me to be alone to study as my concentration would be better. If I had noisy music, people chatting around, I couldn't concentrate. So I learn a lot how to work alone. And I bring that till nowadays. Whenever I need to make a defense, whenever I need to write my novels, I just put myself inside a room or uh, an office, and I close the door, and I have to be completely alone. I can't concentrate with people around me. It's impossible for me.
1: Yes. And I know I thought I was functionally retarded until I was in my 30s. I had dyslexia and similar things is what you're describing. And it used to frustrate me to no end that I'd watch somebody study for 45 minutes and I'd have to study for four or five hours to get a lesser grade. So did you pick up any study tips that you can share with our listeners? Or did you just like me, you didn't really have help and you just put the extra time in? How did you overcome? Because what the audience doesn't know yet is you became an attorney, so you don't get there by getting poor grades in school. So how did you go from struggling to success?
0: I I obliged myself uh, to study more. And of course, I had had parents that helped me a lot. uh, And they gave me self-esteem. My father used to say, you are too intelligent for those grades. You are lazy. So you, you have to study more. If you study more, you're going to have the grades comparable to your intelligence. So I had this idea. Oh, my God, I'm intelligent. I'm not stupid. So I had to do better. It's just a matter of doing better and studying more. My mechanism back there when I was a kid was, studying more is going to give you more grades because you are intelligent and when i started to study english for example my first foreign language i speak four languages nowadays oh my god i fall in love with english And I was one of the first kids in my class, and I could jump classes because I, I was attentive. I was always focused. So I understood that I had to fall in love with things to do it better. And I have to learn how to fall in love. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it won't. Uh, for mathematics, for example, for example, it doesn't work till nowadays. I can't, I can do mathematics. But for me, it was more effort.
1: Yeah, and learning to fall in love with things. Like I was just having this discussion uh, with people I'm friends with and they have children. I was like, some things you love, some things you don't, but you still got to do it. You got to learn it. You got to master it just part of life so were there games you played to kind of challenge yourself or trick yourself to become more motivated and passionate to the subjects you didn't like
0: Wallace had a hell of a memory my my family used to say they they still used to say that uh, I'm a danger because I can remember things uh, from my first second year of life and So my memory helped me a lot. I tried to develop ways to memorize things. If I could memorize, I could learn. So relating names of things to some objects and creating things to remember. It was a game for me. I was always trying to remember people's name, object's name, situation's name. When I was studying, oh, some king of somewhere, when I was studying history, his name is comparable to that object. So whenever I had to remember the king and remember the object, then the king. And I still do that. I still use memory and to relate things, to remember a lot.
1: Now that's something you developed and figured out on your own. And I know there's tons of books and classes on those kind of memory techniques. Is there one that you'd be like, this one really helped me? Is there like a book or a video series or someone that really helped you develop the memory techniques?
0: no I have to learn it alone because I have no clue what was happening with me I just felt different
1: yeah you and, and I grew up before the internet so we didn't we couldn't google solutions right
0: <laughs> no no we didn't have we have some encyclopedias but they didn't talk about different people and different behavior my mother used to say you are nuts you are always doing netty things things. Because as I also had hyperactivity, I was always on the move. I had to move all the time. I was always jumping from one thing to other. And I was curious and I could learn fast things that I loved. And I was always trying to learn more, more, more. Sometimes I was on ballet classes, the other piano classes, learning English and always trying to learn something. But it was all by myself, I had to find that kind of mechanism. To to use colors was good for me. Whenever I put colors on my books, my memory could bring the phrase because the phrase was related to a color. But it was all alone.
1: Yeah, and that's excellent. So for our listeners, there's things that Adriana is just remembering as she goes but they really help. Like she was saying, color coding. Also, some of you may not realize this, but Adriana, did you notice there was times of the day when you'd study, you'd actually absorb material faster?
0: I still, I still know when I'm faster. I'm faster in the morning. So I start early and I'm very productive in my mind. With the fences I have to make, writing novels from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., that's my best time of the day. Then I get a little bit dizzy, like uh, I can't sleep, I could sleep something like that. So I need tons of coffee to make my brain go back. And around 4 to 5 p.m., my brain is okay again for some hours. So I developed, I always studied in the morning and I always try to use the morning the best I could because mornings are my ally. I need rest before thinking. So when I'm fresh, I had a, a good night of sleep. It's another thing I understood. I need eight hours of sleep every night or I'm not going to function the other day. Whenever my, my, my brains are rest, I can produce more.
1: Yes. And I agree with that. One of my roommates in college, I never saw him studying. He got straight A's. And then one day I was frustrated. I'm like, dude, when do you study or do you have a photographic memory? And he taught me what you just said, Adriana. He's like, I study first thing in the morning. So he'd get a good night's sleep. He'd wake up at four thirty, and he'd hit the books. And he said, because his mind was rest, he's like, even if I'm sleepy and groggy, he's like, my mind is like an empty sponge. And as I study, it just sucks it in and absorbs it. And then he can recall it faster. So as much as I hated it, I didn't want to flunk out of college. So I tried that. And like you studying in the morning helped me so much. So if you're listening to this, try different times of day and give it some time to build habits and work out, you know, the fluke parts of it. But some of you may study best at night. Some of you like Adriana and I first thing in the morning. But to our listeners, everybody has an opinion, right? But the one that counts is the one, as long as it's moral, do it if it works for you. So I agree with you completely about the mornings. And then what's funny, is you said, you're back after four o'clock. I find like work productivity, I'm the best from like, Like it's usually like 9 p.m. to midnight. So do you have an A zone, just an A game where you're super functional for work projects? Or is it always in the morning?
0: No, no, I I can't. I learn. I I used to feel guilty because I really needed after lunch, in Brazil, lunches are not, not like the United States, we, we really eat heavily during lunch time. So uh, I used to have lunch and I felt so asleep after that and I needed just to go to my bed or to wherever I can, even on a, on a chair when I'm at work and sleep half an hour. And I felt guilty because I used to say to myself, who sleeps in the middle of the day? But after I woke up, it's just half an hour, exactly half an hour. After I woke up, it's like the day starts again and I'm functional again. So as uh, we people with hyperactivity, we have a brain that works too fast and too much. We really need to put it to sleep for some time and then when we sleep it's back and it's completely functional but i can produce after that so whenever i need something that i'm going to use my mind a lot i just close my eyes i do like that and i sleep half an hour it's enough for me it's like resetting everything and starting like. If it was eight o'clock in the morning.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, again, you say that because power naps, five minutes to 30 minutes, not more, not less. But five to 30 minutes is considered the perfect power nap. And study after study after study shows results exactly what you say. It recharges you and it's like a reset. And maybe the first few days you're a little groggy when you wake up. But after that, it's like a power charge. Like your battery was just charged in the outlet in the wall. So I'm there with you. I'm never more productive than when I get power naps. And I think people all over the world do it and see the success. So was that something, again, you were taught or you just figured out yourself?
0: Just figured out uh, by myself because my mom used to have, used to put us to sleep after, after lunch. She thought it was healthy for kids. And we did that, and but I, I grew up with that, and then when I arrived to college, and that moment I didn't want to sleep anymore, it was a kid stuff. But I felt my body needed, my brains needed, and I went back to that. But as I said, I felt so ashamed to do that, so guilty. I went to a shrink to talk about it, and he said, if it's what makes you functional, Christ's sake, go ahead and sleep half an hour. The day has 24. You don't need to sleep only during during the night. You can do that for half an hour. People who do that live more. They are more functional. But I, I discover by myself, and I can do that every day. Sometimes my, my schedule doesn't allow But whenever I can, I do that and it's perfect for me.
1: Yeah, I think there's great wisdom in that. And if somebody out there listening hasn't tried power naps, do it. It might take you a few days, even if you just close your eyes and lay there, just stay still and try to clear your mind. And Adrienne, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but once you start training yourself for these power naps, I can fall asleep consistently without issue in less than 60 seconds, usually 30 seconds. Is that how you find yourself? Is it you just get used to falling asleep and then wake up?
0: It's the same for me, and it doesn't mind where I am. My sister used to say, I hate you because we are inside an airplane. And I told her, oh, I'm going to sleep. And I closed my eyes and I was asleep immediately because I decided I had to sleep and she, I can't believe, I can't believe you could sleep in seconds. I said, yes, I can. And it's just a matter of closing your eyes, Try it. But it's not like that for most people. They need some time to relax. I don't, I just shut down and I sleep and half an hour later, I wake up and I'm like this, I'm happy again. My skin is even is better. Everything is great.
1: Yeah. So like Adriana is saying, it's you can train yourself and, you know, you play how you practice. Keep practicing the power nap. I'm a huge believer in the power nap. All the most productive times in my life and Adriana's life is when we take power naps every day. It's not a child thing. It's legit. Look up the medical research worldwide. It's a proven study, but you'll get to the point where you will be sleeping in 30 to 60 seconds And then you can even wake yourself up. I set an alarm because I'm paranoid. I don't know about you, Adriana, but a lot of times I pull over on the side of the road for business, take a nap on the side of the road, then go back, drive and hit my appointment. But um, I'd always set an alarm for 31 minutes. That way, if I didn't wake up, but 99 out of 100 times, I woke up on my own without that alarm. So it's,
0: it's exactly the same that I do. I know I'm going to wake up, but I'm a little paranoid about the, 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 the time and I can't allow myself to sleep more than half an hour. So I put usually 30 to 32 minutes because I know it's the time I'm going to take to get asleep, sleep and 30 minutes that I need to reset. So it's exactly what I do. But usually I wake up alone with 29 minutes just before the hour.
1: Yes. And I knew a guy, the gentleman who taught me was brother Charles Holmesher. We talk about him in the NBT episode of our podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes, but he was such a great human, the, probably the greatest human I've ever met. And that man took it to a new level. Not only did he take power naps and he was healthy and strong at like 80 years old, sharp, mentally, physically, every way. But that guy, you could say in any time zone, he traveled the country in the world and he'd say, I need to wake up at 4:27," And without an alarm, the dude would wake up at 4:27 Exactly. I mean, you can set your eternal clock to do so many things that we take for granted as humans. Cause we're so spoiled. We have watches and iPhones and, alarm clocks but really god built it all in us so adriana and i have learned a little bit but take it to the next level and write us and tell us how you're doing with those power naps so
0: and there there are famous people like for example winston churchill prime minister of england for many many years Uh, he used some time to talk to his people from his bed because he needed power naps yep and uh, it's uh it's a story everybody tells. He used to do that. So it's something you have to learn, but you also have to control your mind. We don't use our mind as much as we could. It's the perfect machine we have. It's not our cell phones. Our brains are, are perfect. So if they are trained, they can do amazing things.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, we could, the brain is a whole world of study. So But I agree with you completely. I I just, I've seen it in my own life. I've, you know, Celine Dion, she's a worldwide superstar. She has a thick accent when she speaks, but when she sings, it's crystal clear and whatever language she's in. So the brain can control so much on every level. And, you know, we just take it for granted and say, I can't. But even if you read books for just a few years ago, like I remember when Lincoln would speak, people would just listen once and memorize the entire speech verbatim word for word. It could go on an hour and they'd remember every word. And now we can't get kids to pay attention for 15 seconds. So Adriana, you're dead on. The mind is perfect and how God made it so powerful and strong. So all of us should be learning to tap into it more and more. Now, with all that said, between your birth and when you're in high school before you go into university, is there anything you want to cover in your life in any aspect that you want to discuss?
0: No, I think I joined both.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So how did you go from struggling with learning to getting into university and where did your life go from there?
0: I went to the university when I was 17 years old and I graduated with 21. I use the same skills. In Brazil, we have a huge test. It's very hard to pass, to enter the university. I could pass in two tests for two great universities. Back then, we didn't have uh, many, many colleges around. We just have in my state three great universities. I got into two of them. So I decided for the best one because it's an international, it's a Catholic university, it's international. And I decided for that and I use the same thing. Naps, power naps, studying alone almost all the time. And I found another thing that was too important for me back then, small recorders do you remember those those small recorders first just journalists used to have i bought one and i used to take them for for my classes because as i couldn't pay attention on most of the teachers even main of all because they were boring they couldn't making me to have any interest in what they were saying i recorded and then Back home, I used to listen to them take notes. Then I discovered another thing to learn for me is writing what I hear. I don't have a good ear uh, memory, but I have a, a great memory for everything I write and read. So I used to hear the classes all again, The the classes I I couldn't pay attention, of course, not all the classes, to write them and then study that, and then my grades uh, were good. And then I could finish university without any problems. And five years I was graduated and uh, I was just a kid when I was already a lawyer.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And so not only did you learn to adapt to your strengths and weaknesses and overcome, but you live in a society, like I have a lot of friends who are Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, and the culture down there is machismo. Is that how you classify it? I don't want to say anything out of turn, but it's male dominated. Like sexual harassment was considered a compliment in some sick way. They just felt like they were better overall, not all Brazilians, not all Americans, not all Asians, but overall, was that the culture you were growing up in?
0: I could say, yes, I could say it was, it was how Brazil was back then. We are talking about, I've been a lawyer for 31 years. So we are talking about 30 years ago. It's a long time, but I discovered early how to fight for myself. Because one day I was tired of pretending being blonde and stupid and not understanding. And a boss that I used to have, he started to say things. I tried the technique of pretending I was not understanding. But one day he was really, really stupid with me, really did propositions. And I just saw him. I, rem- I remember I was a lawyer. And I saw him. He lost his job. And I told myself, you don't need to pretend being dumb again. You just need to remember you are a lawyer. So make people remember you are a lawyer and you are going to be respect. I was 22 years old when that happened. <laughs> so... It was a short time of pretending being dumb and things like that. And after that, I learned how to cut things like that when they happen and to remind people, hey, you're talking to a lawyer. I'm not going to be a victim of anything. So it was the bad thing.
1: And so for our listeners, not obviously... The majority of our listeners are not attorneys, but that still doesn't mean you need to tolerate it. And you can take direct action as long as, you know, it's not in fear of your life, but you can also take legal action. So the pro for Adriana is she was an attorney and she could handle this directly. The con is she was an attorney surrounded by attorneys. And in probably every country, they're even more egotistical and sexually oriented i mean i hate to say that but that's what i've experienced is that what it's like in brazil attorneys the men are even more uh, chauvinistic
0: not now but back then yes because yeah. I, I i was too young uh, working with people that ha- used to have double my age so they were from another generation they are not used to women working side by side with them Nowadays, it's completely different, but still I can feel some, some machismo when when you talk to men. They, they, they try to say they are better than you because they are men, and uh, in law, it's not a reality because law depends on studying. You need to study your whole life, and women in general they love to study more than men Uh, at least in brazil i can see that because i was a professor for 10 years and i could see women have bad better grades than men because they they are more focused Uh, maybe because they have to prove they are better or maybe because they learn to study more, they have to do more, to be considered equal, but they study more. So in Brazil courts, there is now a majority. I can say, oh, if it's not a majority, it's 50, 50% of women that are judges. When I started my career, there were all men. It was a rare thing to find a a judge that was a woman. They were all men. And now no, you can find lots of judges, of female judges. So I think women uh, learn they have to do more to be treated like like equals and that's what they do And they are better lawyers and better judges <laughs> uh, i can see that
1: and how far did you go with your education did you stop at a master's you get a phd where did you go
0: well i did a master and then i started my phd But back then I was, I was working so hard. I have my own practice. So it's complicated when you have your own practice, you have people working for you. You have clients for a long time. I had to stop. I've never went back to finish my PhD. So I finished my master and never finished my PhD.
1: Yeah. And there's no shame in that. I mean, you're successful. It's not a degree that makes you successful. It just always intrigues me when you have people like you who have these, you know, these issues focusing, you learn to overcome them, you apply it and you do such great things. And then the part of life that you hated probably most, like, like for me, I hated school because it was so hard. And then people usually end up conquering it completely and going all the way to the PhD. So that's why I was I was just guessing you had one because of that. So you go to university, you become an attorney. Talk to us about the journey, those 31 years you spent in law.
0: I became an attorney. And as I was too young, nobody uh, you would trust on a young, blonde kid of 21 years old. Uh, So it was hard for me, the sixth, first month, I opened a practice and I was all alone there. No clients, (laughs) nobody would trust me. So I decided to work for government. And for almost 10 years, I worked for government, first in Brazil. When I was 25, uh, I was invited to work abroad, to work in Argentina. On an international project, it was a Brazilian, Argentinian, and Italian project. To link the the Brazilian and Argentinian country. We were talking a lot about the South markets back then. It didn't work out, but back then it was working. And I was invited to be the legal director of uh, a company that was controlling those linkings and i was just a kid uh, in a very high position and i worked there for more or less five years from 25 to 30. when i was 30 i decided i had to go back to school I was just studying this and that, but I needed to go back to school, so I decided uh, to go back to study. I, I did two years of I don't know how it's called in the United States, but post graduation maybe. Uh, two
1: years post graduation would typically be a master's in America.
0: No, it's just called post post graduation, and I studied and i started and i opened a practice and i started to be a lawyer independent from go- almost independent from government in the beginning the beginning i was just being a consultant for government so i i didn't have to travel that much and i could dedicate a little bit to my practice finish past graduation i went to master master takes three years And it's the point you have to choose a thesis, you have to develop. So I had to travel, I've been in Columbia Library to for some research for some time. I've been to France in Sorbonne's library researching. And after that, I produced the book, uh, a legal book about renegotiating international countries. So I produced the book, and the master gave me the ability to be a professor. So I decided to be a professor. And I was approved quickly to be a professor. And I was a professor, a legal professor for 10, almost 10 years. Then it was too heavy for me to participate. To, to to be every day in the university, teaching, having my own practice. I was traveling a lot because of my clients, so I had to quit something or my health wouldn't, wouldn't be good. I, it was not good. I was having healthy problems, but I decided to quit teaching.
1: So, and that's an important point in your life. That's a crossroad. So you're working, 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 learning, 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 teaching, 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 but you're seeing, I'm giving more than I'm receiving. My energy, um, my health is going bad. How did you come to the decision to back off? And what steps did you take to get healthy again?
0: One of the things I'm really scared of are rats. And one day, I don't know why I was watching some TV and there was a small white mouse turning to his wheel and I I decided to face it. I said, it's on TV, Uh, it's not going to jump on me, watch. And I saw that animal just doing that uh, circles and circles and circles and circles. And I said, hey, my life, it's just like that. I wake up in the morning, I go to, to the university, I teach, I go from the university to my office. From my office, I come home and I work out because uh, I really needed to work out to, to keep at least barely healthy. I take a shower, I eat something, I go back to university and I come home sleep. and it's a right life. Uh, it's not a regular life. I can't do that to myself. It's too much for me, but it was hard for me to choose. I really love my students. Some of my students are my lawyers. And it was hard for me to quit. I don't have kids. I decided early in my life, I didn't want to have my own children. So my students were and are just like my kids. It was like, uh, hey, I'm going to abandon my kids, but I have to choose. And then I decided to create teaching, and it was when my my novels happened because uh, I have time to be creative again, not just work, 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 and not having enough time to rest i on that time i couldn't have these power naps because i i was always on the move and i i used to sleep the whole weekends to compensate it was not a life. so when i decided to quit i have the nights just for myself and I, oh my god I'm here, I have a whole night for myself, I'm not teaching, tomorrow I'm going to go early to my office, and hmm, what I'm going to do, and suddenly, it was a bat with one of my lawyers, I started to write a novel, and now I have five published novels, <laughs> because I knew how to be, to give time to myself, to be creative. So I try from, from that moment on, I learned that I can fulfill my mind with everything. I need to give a space for my brain. So they are going to breathe and they are going to produce more in a more creative way.
1: Yeah, and sometimes when we put that pressure on ourselves, it like bottlenecks our brains. We can't think and it can't flow, right? Is that how you felt? You couldn't flow until you had that freedom?
0: No, I can't. I really can't. When I start to to work too much, unbalance my life, it's the moment I'm not going to be creative to help a client, creative to write my novels There are pressures to me, or that I I can have quality of life. I'm 53, I don't know how much I'm going to live. People are dying around me. Those last two years were tough. We don't know when we are going to die. I just know I'm going to die one day and I want to die knowing I did everything I could to be happy. And to fulfill my dreams and not just work, 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 work till uh, I'm completely done. And one day retire and say, oh my God, i worked my whole life. Now I'm old. I I can't, I'm going to rest because all my life has been like this. No, no, I, I need periods to rest. I used to travel. I do small vacations. I can't take long vacations because I have clients, they need me, and I do small vacations during the year. In February, I took 10 days to go to the United States to visit museums, to go to some shows, to drink wine, to eat the good food, the great food you have in America, it's great. And it was good. I came back creative. I came back with my brains all good. And now I'm I'm thinking about another trip in June, July to Italy. And then maybe another one in the end of the year. One week is good. I can go out. I can make my brains function better after. And I can enjoy life while I'm capable of it. While I have my body in perfect conditions, my health is good because I separate one hour of my day to work out. I need that. It's a matter of balance. I need to work out. I need a time to read. I need a time to write. I need a time to relax. It's 24 hours we have. I need eight to sleep. Okay, there are 16. I can't work 16 hours. I need breaks from time to time. So during my lunchtime, I work out. It's good for me. Then in the end of the afternoon, I relax a little bit more to prepare to work a a little bit more, but I give myself space. So my house is in good condition.
1: Yeah. And that is so important. I think there's a lot of wisdom in you and I are wired very similar. The more I listen to you, I'm like, yeah, I feel the same way. But some people are like, no, I want one vacation a year for two to three weeks. And there's people like me and you who are after the fifth day, I start getting a little antsy seven. I'm like, OK, it's time to go And 10. So depending on the vacation, I'm looking at five to 10 days that's plenty for me. There's always the exception, but typically I'm tracking with you. But what Adriana said about balance, balance is a key. The balance is a false balance, is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So you gotta find what works for you. Like where Adriana and I might wanna go on a vacation shorter three or four times a year instead of one big vacation. You know, Some people take 30 days and they go overseas. And they have a great time, but I'd rather take short vacations. And I think the other thing that you said that's so powerful is we're not guaranteed today, not even tomorrow. We're not guaranteed today. You or I could die right now. We're on this podcast, or we could live to the average life is 70 to 75 years globally, give or take. Some people live longer. Some people live less, but we don't know. And I just had a friend, you mentioned retirement. It was actually my uncle's friend, but I knew them, worked their whole lives, made a ton of money, sacrificed a lot to bank away for retirement, had their everything set. The wife retired. And one week after she retired, she fell down a flight of stairs and died. All the money in the world is not going to help that, right? So enjoy life. Yeah. Enjoy life each day. Enjoy the journey. Be thankful for it. And like Adriana said, don't kill yourself for a future that may not come, especially with the global, I don't want to get into politics, but the global politics and the global pandemic and the global economy, we're in a crazy state right now. So I'm not saying be irresponsible, but enjoy the day. Enjoy your life because we're not guaranteed another breath.
0: No, we we don't have any guarantees. And we can't ruin our lives and our health just working. It doesn't matter the amount of money you're going to gather. I've learned from an old man. He was my father-in-law from my second marriage. He used to say a coffin doesn't have pockets. So you can take your money with you, but you can be here longer if you decide to invest in your house, in your quality of life.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. So now you make another transition in your career. You decide to write more. You got five published novels. You're enjoying your life. You have balance. You're being wise and you're working out. You're not working out four or five hours a day and going overboard, but you're getting yourself the the health that you need and want. You're happy with your life at this point. Where do you go between there and today?
0: I think I just gain as a person. I have time to develop as a person and to develop my, my real qualities, to be a better person, to try to improve myself. Even in the, I, I'm not a spiritual person. I believe in God, but I don't believe in religions. But to improve myself as a a spiritual being, as I'm better now than I was when I was 30 years old. I can understand humankind better. I have more patience. When I was moving from one side to the other, working, teaching, and so I was too anxious I didn't have time for people, I didn't have the patience for people. So if you don't have patience or time for people, you can have real relationships. I had two marriages before my last one, and they didn't finish well because I didn't have the time to pay attention to those people. They were good people. I wasn't. I was a, a person just fighting to go. I didn't know where. Always worrying more about achievements than real life. In real life, is a real relationship to value your family, to spend more time with your dogs. Their life is short, you you can regret after they depart, you have to enjoy now. And even my work is better now because it has more quality. I have more pleasure working now than I have before. Before, I was too worried about money and things like that to, to enjoy being a lawyer. Now I enjoy being a lawyer. I receive compliments from my clients. My mother cried. It was almost, uh, almost Christmas. And one of my clients sent me a message telling me, thanks to me, his family was peaceful. He was having the best Christmas of last 10 years. And things like that are important to me. Because now I can enjoy, I can enjoy the quality I'm giving my clients. So I have to be selective. I can take every client. Uh, I need a space to do pro bono, to go pro bono, because people that need justice the most in the world are the needy people who can't pay for a, for a lawyer. Uh, and the system is not good for them they can't afford lawyers and from time to time i try to do pro bono Uh, it's good for the soul it's not good for the pocket but it's so good for (laughs) the soul
1: now what law do you specialize in what is your your specialty
0: commercial law
1: okay commercial law so if anybody's listening around
0: corporate corporate law in united states you're going to just say it's corporate law
1: now, do you have license to practice in the U.S. and other countries, or just just Brazil right now?
0: Unfortunately, uh, our well, Brazil is a massive
1: is- country. It's not like that's just. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I just meant: is there an international certification you got, or are you focused on Brazil?
0: No, I have to focus on Brazil. My master is in international contract, so I work in Brazil for companies uh, if they have international matters. I'm the person, but. Uh, I can't work in Brazil. If I I have to work in the United States, I have to start all again. I have to go back to university in the United States. For lawyers, it's complicated because law changes a lot. Our law in Brazil is totally, totally written. If it's not written, you can practice, you can impose. In the United States, it's more about decisions previous decisions of the courts and less written laws. So it's different. The systems are totally different. Even in Brazil, I can practice only in four states. To every state, I have to apply to the bar of that state. It's it's for a region.
1: Yeah, we have that in America.
0: I can be a lawyer in the whole country. But if I intend to practice law regularly in a state i need to go to the bar of that state get another license and pay of course every year i smell contribution to that so, <laughs> in the end it's all about money
1: yeah america is like that too we have 50 states and they exploit you in each one so yeah same thing here so okay well i've had a great day and i know our listeners have enjoyed this i mean you went from ADHD to law degree, to a professor, to a published novelist. Where are you today, Adriana? Where are you going and how can we now help you get there?
0: Well, today my dream is not in a long time. (coughs) Sorry, not in a long time. I would like to dedicate more to just write novels. I love to write novels. And uh, as I have this, I think you have the same as creative mind, our issues with attention deficit, and you said you had dyslexia. It gave it gives us, as a reward, I think for all the trouble, a creative mind. So yeah, creative, I would like to put to put my creative more on books on, just writing novels, one day I'm going to get it. And I have a go, a dream, one day I'm going to have to see one of my novels on the big screen as a series, something like that.
1: Yes, and you were telling me when we were on our pre-interview call, you were discussing that you really like to help and coach and empower women, help get them out of sex trafficking, correct?
0: I'm writing about that in my new novel about sex traffic and on my first novel I wrote about sexual abuse because I've been a supporter of a shelter for abusive children and I learned how difficult are their lives after experiences Mm -hmm. The experiences they had early on their lives, uh, and sometimes even later on their lives. But I I love to empower women to to try to teach women women that they are powerful. They can run their lives as they want. They can have a career, a profession, and all my characters. They are tough women successful professionals and they pay for their own bills because i'm a firm believer that every human being must pay for their own bills okay if you pay for your bills you are going to choose what you're going to eat if you let someone else to guide your life to pay for your life you have to submit so i'm always trying to teach my former students, my lawyers, I love to work with women. And I have one, one male lawyer in my office, three lawyers, three female lawyers. And I love to work uh, with the girls to show them, hey, follow a career, follow your own path. Understand me, I'm not against someone who decided to stay home and take care of of their, key, of their kids, it's tons of job, okay? I wouldn't raise a kid, I don't have the courage. So I'm always trying to fight for human rights. I'm always trying to show them there is more than violence, there is more than abuse, there is more outside. If you believe in yourself and you think you can overcome those obstacles some way, Of course, you need to help, like the shelter, uh, I used to help, because if you help a shelter, the shelter is going to provide for the kids, the kids are going to face a better future, even if they had the wars of the past. So empower women and making women believe they can't, they don't need to play dumb, they can fend for themselves. And even if, it, if they had a sorry, expression, a shitty life, they can have a bright future. So I always tried to, to write and, and show my readers about, to, to try to get the attention for those matters, abuse, That can happen inside your own home and you don't know. Sometimes our relatives that abuse our children. Sometimes someone we really trust and the kid is so defenseless. He's not going to tell you. So if you try to show people, normal people can have that kind of problem. They can pay more attention for their kids and pay more attention for the kind of kids they are raising.
1: Yeah, well said. I mean, nobody knows what's going on behind closed doors. And there's so many people that are in abusive situations, male and female, and they need help to get out. And sometimes they just need a little encouragement or to hear someone else say it to kind of guide them through the process. So if there's a listener out there and they want to hire you to represent them in Brazil, or if there's a listener out there that wants to talk to you about domestic abuse or what it's like to be an attorney or professor or to get involved in your novels or maybe they're a publisher and they want to try to you know get your get your materials what's the best way for someone to reach you these days
0: through my email adriana at or social media i'm very active on social media so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I always answer. Sometimes I take one day or two to answer, but please get in touch and I'm going to answer.
1: Awesome. And I'll put links in the show notes so you can just click on the link. So whether you're using Google Podcasts, whether you're looking at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whether you're watching this on YouTube, however you're listening or watching, I'll put in the show notes. You can just click and go. All right, well, Adriana, it's been a true pleasure. I'm so thankful you're on the show today. I know it's a long time coming, so I'm glad it finally happened. Any other final thoughts or ideas that you want to share with our audience before we part ways today?
0: First of all, I want to thank you for the opportunity, David. It was, I had a great time today. It was great to talk about life, remember things. And I just would say to people hearing to us, listening to us. It's a a matter of thinking you can overcome. It doesn't mind where you are now, what difficulties you are facing. Uh, Believe in yourself and you're going to find a way out. Trust in some people that can help you, but trust in yourself and never give up on your goals. If you think you you want to be a lawyer and you don't know how, talk to me. I'm going to tell you how I did. If you're having difficulties and you think you are too different, to be different is good. I understood that. But the only thing that you can do in your life is believing you are not good enough and you can't. You can. If you try hard, you can't do anything, anything
1: at all. Yeah. And I think you're the perfect illustration of that. Maybe your other students were studying one or two hours and you studied five or six, but you did it. You just said, Hey, this is how it is. I'm going to adapt and overcome and not make excuses. So please, if you're struggling, talk to Adriana, reach out to her and, don't make excuses for your life. Like our slogan says for the Remarkable People podcast, don't just listen to these great episodes in Adriana's story, but do it. Repeat those good actions each day for life. So you can have a great life in this world and an attorney to come. So Adriana, thank you so much for being here today. You truly are a remarkable woman. I appreciate you. I know our listeners appreciate you. And we wish you only the best in your future. And hopefully we'll have you again on the show when you get that movie going.
0: Thank you very much, David. Thank you very much for our listeners. It's, it was great to be here. I hope to see you soon.
1: Definitely, definitely. And for our listeners, please like the podcast, rate the podcast, give us a five-star review. And if you can't, email me and let me know why so we can fix it, right? I can't fix a big nose, but I can fix problems with the podcast. So let me know. (laughs) Let me know and we'll get it done. So I'm David Pasqualone. Adriana, thank you for being here today. And to all our listeners, we love you. And we'll see you in another episode soon. Ciao. Ciao. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out.
0: remarkable people podcast listen do repeat for life